Well, this morning is our last sermon in the series, uh, Life's Biggest Decisions. Hopefully you've enjoyed this series, and if you haven't, it's the last week of it. So, you should be happy regardless. Uh, I, I need to start off with a, a, an odd confession. I, um, I, I have a, something I don't really share many, with many of you, but I think some of us share the same thing. As we uh, consider our, our, our legacy and that type of thing, uh, one of the things that I, I find myself really enjoying is I like going to cemeteries. Usually it's a good idea to start your sermon with a really weird confession. And so there you go. But I really enjoy cemeteries. It's been something that I've, I've enjoyed for many years. I find uh, going to cemeteries are a great place to get away, to meditate, to think. Um, so for me, when I was in seminary, there was this wonderful cemetery just south of the campus at Baylor. And uh, I would go there, and I would think through life, and I'd take walks, or I might bring my, my books I was supposed to read, or have my quiet time there. And I got really comfortable there because there was no one ever there, and it was just it was a beautiful cemetery. And um, and this one time in particular, I remember so comfortable. I actually brought a blanket. I laid out a blanket there, and I brought my book, popped in some earbuds. I was listening to some worship music, and I was doing some reading. And uh, it was getting really hot. And by nature, I'm pretty pasty in general. So I decided no one's around here. It's a nice sunny day. Why not get some? You know. A little tan on while I'm here at the cemetery. And so I took off my shirt and I'm sitting there listening to my music. And then all of a sudden, next thing I know, in my deep sleep, someone starts kicking me in the bottom of my shoe. And I wake up to find that there's this man wearing a very nice black suit looking at me. And I roll over and I look. And sure enough, there's about 100 or so people paying their respects at a funeral site, and I take off my earbuds, and I'm sure I look, you know, completely red at this point, and he goes, I don't know what you're doing, but can you not do it here? I think, for me, the cemeteries have always been somewhat of a thin place. You know, I don't know if you've heard of that expression, a thin place. It's where uh, the eternal things and the modern day, like the, just the here and now, get really close to each other. And for me, cemeteries have always been that, that type of place for me. I just go there, and I just, feels like a holy place for me to meet with God. And I think it's in part has to do with just the simple reality of the other parentheses is it will happen for each of us. And this is in part why I think many of us find Ash Wednesday service really, really meaningful. It's where we actually take in this reality of life and death and the promises of God and, and take it in to our, to our soul and really be thoughtful about it. Um, I'm reminded of Tuesdays with Moore. You remember that book? It was a book written by a news reporter who, um, when he was uh, one of his mentors, a guy named Moore, he would spend Tuesday with them, and he would just log in with just their interactions. And the big takeaway for me when I read that book was a line that Moore said, which was, until we acknowledge that all of us will die, we won't learn how to live. And for me, when we think about what we're talking about this morning, when we think about our legacy and the big decision that we have to consider of which legacy shall I leave, we need to begin with this reality that each of us will have the same end, that death is a promise for each of us, but so is the life of God. So when we think about that, um, you know, I'm reminded of Stephen Covey um, when he talked about 
in his in his in his book about highly effective habits or for effective people. One of those two. I think there were seven of them, right? Uh, one of them was to begin with the end in mind. How if if we really want to want to end up at a certain place, we should begin with that end in mind and begin to think about how we work there. So for us, in our place now, is to think about what legacy shall I leave? What's the legacy that you want to leave? What is the legacy that you think God has birthed within your heart that you can begin to live and work towards? This is one of the biggest decisions that we have in our life. And so for us, as we turn to Scripture now, let us read a familiar passage uh, that we all know, but read read it through a a different lens. Let, Let our lens be that of trying to think about how to live a, a, a meaningful legacy. We find our passage comes from Matthew chapter 6, uh, teen, it's Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 28. Just a little background information. Before this passage, the religious community and their leaders uh, begin to request that Jesus validate his claims through giving of signs. And Jesus sidestepped that opportunity. And then he gathered with his disciples and looked at them and said, who do you think I am? All these other people have their own thoughts, but what about you? And Peter, out of all of them, said, you are the Son of God. You are the Messiah. And Jesus responds by giving him this great blessing of, Peter, you're the rock by which I'm, I'm going to build my church upon. And then we find in our passage here, uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. So listen now to the word of the Lord. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in, the, in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom, before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus in this passage shares the shocking reality that he was going to die, that he was going to be taken to, in Jerusalem and crucified. It's amazing in situations like this that the disciples are so puzzled when it actually happens, right? Because when we see this, it, didn't he just clearly say this? And we're, here we have Peter. Uh, when Peter hears of this, Peter, as a, as a good follower of Christ, takes him aside and gives him a, a rebuke. Never, Lord, will this happen to you. Now, you have to wonder, what was behind Peter's correction? What was, what was behind that for him? I mean, he just came off this pinnacle moment of being called the rock, you know? And now Jesus is calling him a stumbling block. <laughs> you, know, what, uh, how, you know, that must have just been a, a, a huge uh, step down in his own ego and his own self-esteem. 
I thought I thought I was the one that you were going to build your church upon, and now you're just going to say you're going to go die. You have to think that Peter was thinking the legacy that Jesus was going to leave was that of power and prominence, esteem. So when Jesus said, "Hey, by the way, I know you've been following me for these years, but I'm about to go to Jerusalem. I'm about to be put to death." That Peter says, "No, this will never happen to you." You have to wonder if if he was more honest, if the pronoun would would have been. This will not happen to us. You see, Peter's legacy that he was going to leave uh, was tied to Jesus, and that's not the one that, that Peter wanted. So Jesus responds, calling him a stumbling block, and then he gives this great reminder. You do not have in mind the things of God, but merely human concerns. And he goes on in verse 24 to say, if you would have things that are of godly concern, then you would do this. Whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to enter into the legacy I am leaving, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. It's no wonder why it was hard to be a disciple. And think about it even for us today, how challenging these words are. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, or if you want to leave a Christ-like legacy, you're going to deny yourself. You're going to tape up your cross and follow yourself. In our world that seems to be so uh, fixated on self-image and self-promotion, this, this word is challenging for us, that this is how you leave a good legacy. In 2013, you know what the, the breakout word was in vocabulary? It was the word selfie. I don't know if you know that. Selfie is a picture when you, when you take a picture of yourself and you decide to share everyone what you look like when you take a picture of yourself. I guess. We live in a culture of selfie. We just, we live in a culture where it's so much about self-promotion, uh, self-esteem, uh, and acquisition, that this idea of making yourself nothing is so challenging and so uh, difficult for us to stomach. But Jesus goes on to say this word, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. If you want to have a great legacy, you and I will begin to learn to live by verse 25. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. So how do you enter into Christ's legacy when you give your life away? You just give it away. You don't, you don't first think about how you might look or what it might do for your public persona. You just begin by serving people and giving yourself away. That's how you do it. But there's also a key for it. It's not only that, that we're generous people, that we're loving and kind and, and gracious people, but whoever loses their life for me, that little two-word phrase there, for me, is so important because it goes deeper than just being kind and generous people. It's about doing it for Christ. It's about doing it to, to, to live into Jesus' legacy. So we do all those things out of response to what Christ has already done for us. So we deny ourselves as we consider how Christ denied himself. We take up our cross when we consider the love of God made manifest. And we follow Jesus because we know that's the only way to true life. That It's not only about us being generous and being uh, uh, sacrificial, but it's about us partnering with God in this world to make his name greater. Jesus continues to say, what it would it be like if you gained the whole world yet had an empty soul? You know, I've been to uh, several funerals now 
And I've never been a part of a funeral that people just gathered around and, and spoke about how much someone left, how much money or acquisition or that kind of thing that they've left. The legacies that are, I hear at funerals are more about how they gave themselves away, the, the lives that were touched, the people that were changed through that life. What it'll be like to gain the whole world yet lose your soul. This is a reminder for us to live from the soul place, to remind ourselves that there's eternal uh, stakes involved, that we care and we serve for other people and we do it for Christ, to change their eternity. Jesus gave us a great warning in John 6, 627. Do not labor on that which spoils. Do not labor in that. Well, that's a little, yeah, a little Mona Lisa over there for you. Um, do not labor for that which spoils. Do not work for that which spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, for which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Don't spend your life building a legacy that will end when your life ends. Build your legacy, that one that endures, a truly great legacy. One question that we could ask ourselves about the legacy in which we're leaving is, how do I add value to my own, my own life by adding value to others? What am I doing in my life to add value to other people's life? John Ortberg talks about uh, the paradox of happiness. Uh, he speaks about how if we seek happiness, we rarely find it. If that's our goal and if that's our aim, we seek happiness, we rarely find it. But if we look for significance in serving others, we find great significance. And we might also find joy. So if we're looking for how we might be able to make significance uh, in other people's lives, we will easily find that by giving ourselves away. We also might find a life of joy. I find that to be true in my life. But what do we do with all of these ideals about giving our life away, about having a great legacy, when our life here and now is so different? What, what might we do to help move from here to there? You know, I think there are a couple lies that are common to people, ones that we struggle with, that if we were honest, that, that they rob us the opportunity to live into legacies like this. There are four lies that, that I want to just focus on. And as I'm going through this, I just want you to consider which of these lies that you might wrestle with and struggle with. Four lies that rob unlived legacies. The first one is, I'll begin to live out my legacy one day. One day, when I have that position, or that opportunity, or that thing, then I'll begin to live my legacy. So that all here and now is just waiting for that opportunity for you to live out your legacy. Um, I don't think that this is necessarily what God has intended for us, for us to wait until that one opportunity. That God wants us here and now to begin to live out our legacy in ways to prepare our hearts and our lives to be able to do so. And the reality is, is that you've already begun to live out your legacy. It just might not be the legacy you want to leave. So in our waiting for that opportunity, we're actually putting off the reality that we're already living it. So what are we doing now to be able to live into the legacy in which God wants for us? One of my favorite things our church does is our high school has put on a retreat called Celebration. And it's awesome. It's all the students, they, they just run this camp where they welcome high school students into the high school ministry and to help prepare them for those four years. And uh, a little secret that I'm ruining this weekend is I go there every single year, and they ask me to, to lead the closing celebration, and I say the same thing every year. I don't know if I'll be able to do that this next year, but I say the same thing every year, 
And it's simply, when I look at what these students are doing for one another and how they are just bringing hospitality and, and grace to each other, I say to them that God's not waiting for you to grow up to make a difference. God's not waiting for you as high schoolers to go in college or to graduate to make a difference in this world. God's using you now. And usually in this closing celebration, all of us old adults just kind of like nod our head yes. But the reality is that we have a hard time believing in that for ourselves. That we believe that if, if I were more like this or if I had more of an opportunity to do, do that kind of thing, then, then I would leave a, a legacy. God's not waiting for us to grow up or have anything else happen in our life to be able to live a meaningful legacy. He wants us to live it out now. So we need to decide today, kind of like Joshua said, decide today whom you will serve, what legacy you want. The second lie that people wrestle with is, I don't have the time. I would live a great legacy if, if only if I had more time. That seems to be the answer to most problems in our culture. If only if we had more time, would I be able to do that? Uh, I think in part is because we think that a legacy is built in the dramatic moments. Uh, it, it, they come in, in those uh, uh, dr- the dramatic lives and that type of thing. But I think legacies are most commonly formed in the mundane everydayness of our weeks. I know for me, one of the most meaningful times I've had as a staff is we gathered together about five or six years ago in, in this room, and we were just asked a simple question. What was something small done for you that made a profound impact on your life? We just went around and we talked about that. And it was amazing to hear how people's lives' trajectories were changed by very small and simple acts of kindness. God taking the meaning out, uh, out of mundane, how, how commonly that happens. See, it's in the small and everyday ordinary things where God shows you not only how to build a grid legacy, but also God changes the condition of our heart. It's in those small everyday things. Flo Macklin, you know, a beloved member of our church, a beloved cantankerous member of our church, um, I visited her a couple weeks ago and right after her stroke, and I had the opportunity to sit down with her and, um, and visit her in the hospital. And, uh, you know, we were visiting back and forth, and I said, well, so share what happened. What, how did it go down? How did, how did your stroke happen? And we were having this honest conversation, and she said, well, I was at home and this and that, and then... The ambulance came by, and I was visiting with, my, uh, visiting with John. You know, he, uh, he has a farm out in Elk, and I go, okay, hold on. Who's, who's John? And she said, well, you know, he's like the nurse in the ambulance. So John and I are visiting. He has this, you know, he has this farm out in Elgin with a bunch of goats. And I go, whoa, 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 whoa. You're making friends in the ambulance? You just had a stroke. And she said, well, I know, but he, they make cheese out of, the, out of the goats and this and I'm thinking to myself, who has the presence and the wherewithal to end, right after having a stroke, riding an ambulance, to, to look at a person and go, so tell me about yourself. Who are you? I mean, Flo would, right? Because that's her legacy. It's living it out in just the day-to-day mundane or not-so-mundane activities of just her being her. And life just kind of comes to her. It comes to her sphere of influence. And she lives out her legacy. That's how we live into it. It's not waiting for those dramatic times. It's about us using our time here and now to leave the legacy that we believe that God has given us. But we have to move past that lie. The third lie is significant legacies don't come from people like me. Some people really believe that significant legacies come from those who are better, who have it more figured out, who have more frequent quiet times that are longer or whatever else. 
But the reality is when we look throughout the Gospels, legacies were made out of a bunch of misfits. Peter and the other disciples, that motley crew, God chose them to be the people whom this movement would be birthed from. It was Peter and those disciples whom God entrusted with the precious gift of the Holy Spirit to begin this gospel movement throughout the world. The reality is, for us, we often just don't have perspective of the impact that our lives make on other people, and that undercuts our desire to live into it more and more. God takes broken people like you and me, broken things and broken plans to make profound impacts. For me, I was driving through East Austin where I used to live uh, a couple weeks ago, and I was driving around, I drove up to a housing complex, a government-owned housing complex, um, and I was driving through there, and I remembered, oh yeah, back in the day, I did a college ministry uh, mission, local mission trip. We just went across the interstate and just stayed in town. We had a weekend of a mission trip, and that weekend, everything fell apart. All the plans just fell apart. It felt like for me, I was running myself ragged. I ended up getting sick halfway through it, and the interns and Jen had a carry off the rest of the weekend. I was just driving through that complex going, man, what, what, a, what a, a difficult weekend that was. What could have come from that? A week later, uh, a student who I mentored when he was here uh, came from California because I hadn't met his wife. And they, they flew here and we visited that weekend. And uh, his wife said, you know, that, that summer in Austin made a huge impact on, on Andrew. And he said, well, you know I do what I do, right, Mark? I go, no. It was that weekend there in Austin where we went across the interstate. What Andrew does now, he works in a ministry. He leads this ministry that helps people rebound from homelessness. So they, this ministry purchased this apartment complex, and they have people come in, and they restore them to health, and they send them back out. And he said, it was that weekend that really got shaped my heart to be able to do that. Okay? A week later, we have, we, uh, Jen and I lead a life group for people in their 20s, and Elizabeth has... Uh, she's a part of that life group. She grew up in our church. And I said, Elizabeth, so you were a part of the college ministry where you were here? She, she said, yeah. You know, you know, one of the things that was, made the biggest impact for me was that weekend we went across the interstate and had a local mission trip. What? She said, yeah, whenever I'd give my testimony, that's always part of my story. And I think to myself, man, I just, I just, I called it a waste. I called that weekend a waste, but in God's hands, Legacies can be formed and changed. God can take the brokenness and make profound changes in people's lives. Significant legacies do come from broken people. It comes from confused people like you and I, if we just trust ourselves to God. And the fourth lie that we have to wrestle with, some of you might deal with this today, is that it's too late for you to change your legacy. That your life has already been planned out, and there might be a lot of regrets with it, but you're on that trajectory and it's too late for you to change it. The voice of grace comes to each of us and says, it's never too late. Your story's not over with until the author of life says so. It's not too late for you to change your legacy. We see that in Peter's example. Peter, the rock that became the stumbling block, eventually would become the coward, the denier, the dissenter, and once again, the love of God embraced him and restored him so that he would end up living his part of his life that he was called to. He would live his legacy. Why? Because sometimes God is more fixated on us being who we were created to be than we have any, any idea, any awareness of. 
oftentimes for us, we look around and we see that some people leave the greatest legacies in the fourth chapter of their life. The fourth and final quarter of their life. That's when, that's when they truly begin to live in the legacy that God had created for you. So don't give up. Fight that lie. Live the legacy that you were called to live. So as we consider these lies, I pray that you would be think through how you might be able to attack that, attack that lie, return to grace, and to trust God with it. We will have to choose the way in which we evaluate our life's legacy. It could be based on the concerns that God has or the concerns of the world. I want to close with, uh, with this. I, I was deeply saddened when uh, Robin Williams, um, when his life came to an end, it made me think back to one of my favorite movies of his, Dead Poet Society. Uh, I just love that first time when Robin Williams' character walks in the classroom. He's just whistling like he's in the middle of the field. And he's just whistling as he's walking in this classroom. And remember that first class, what happened? He had all the students open up to the introduction of the book, the book on how to evaluate poetry. And they began to say that, okay, so this is how you do it. On the x-axis, what you do is you rate the poem's significance. In the y-axis, you rate the poem's beauty. So if it's incredibly significant but not beautiful, it's not a good poem. Or if it's incredibly beautiful but not significant, who cares? But if it's both significant and beautiful, then you know that's a poem worth telling. You remember what the, what the teacher says to do? All right, tear it out. I want, you to, I want you to just tear out that introduction. And the, the boys were just looking at him going, what? No, tear it out. Tear out those pages. You see, he didn't want uh, these young boys to begin to realize, to have this idea uh, that you evaluate poetry just on some formula. So he had them tear out the pages, then he gathered them together in this huddle and said, this is how you know poetry, when it wakes you up and it makes you fully alive. And I think if Jesus, to speak into this, I think what do you say is, the way in which the world tells you to evaluate a life, a, a life worth living and a legacy, I want you to tear out those pages. Rip them out. Right now, I want you to rip out the first three pages of your hymnal. Rip them out. Just kidding. Please don't do that. Emily's going, not funny, not even funny. But he would say, tear out the way in which this world tells you that your life is meaningful. Gather here. Come on. Let's gather together. Listen, if you want your life to count, you got to give it away. You got to give it away. You got to lose it all. Give yourself to people. Love people wildly. Trust me. So friends, I pray that we would grow encouraged to be able to realize that for us to make our life count, to choose a significant legacy, it will always involve us giving our life away. May we choose wisely which legacy we will leave. Let us pray together. Jesus, we thank you for giving us the ultimate example of how to live a life worth living. Thank you for the legacy you have left within this church, and we pray that you would give us courage and abandonment to be able to live as your people, guided by your presence, led by your spirit. We pray this in your name. Amen.